The following is a GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street production. K-State missed a chance to redefine itself last week in Waco, and now the 2-4 Wildcats launch into the second half of the season in a huge game with Oklahoma State. This is the PowerCat Pregame Podcast. It's time for Kansas State football, so get ready for a Wildcat football preview like no other. It's the PowerCat Pregame Podcast presented by Robbins Motor Company, and it starts right now. And now let's go to the Spirit Street Studios. Here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. So close and still not quite good enough to win. That was the story last Saturday when Kansas State hit the road and lost 37-34 at Baylor. It was a game K-State could have won, but in the end, Baylor wasn't just on top on the scoreboard. It had also proven with its game-winning drive that it was also the better team, Baylor. The same Baylor program that went 1-11 last year beat Kansas State, and the Wildcats dropped to 2-4 on the season and a shocking 0-3 in Big 12 play. And now, after six games and as the season prepares to start its second half, the Wildcats have their backs up against the wall. Welcome to the Power Cat Pre-Game Podcast, sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. I'm Go Power Cat publisher Tim Fitzgerald, and let's be honest, this is hard to watch. Not because K-State isn't playing a particularly good brand of football this season, but because the proud Wildcats are looking like an aging prize fighter who not only is no longer worthy of a title shot, but his tools have deteriorated so much, so suddenly, that everyone is knocking him around the ring, leaving him dazed and confused. And Saturday in Kansas State's homecoming game, the Wildcats will attempt to steer their season off of the ropes by beating an Oklahoma State team that is also on a mission to prove that it is better than it has shown so far in 2018. The Cowboys come to Manhattan at 4-2 overall, but they are 1-2 in the Big 12 with home losses to Texas Tech and Iowa State. That means the Pokes are also ready to rumble as they grasp at their own remaining goals in a season that isn't going quite as planned. For K-State, the stakes are much more dire. This is a virtual must-win if the Wildcats want to find a way to earn the six wins necessary for bowl eligibility. That seems like a nearly impossible task, even if the Cats knock off the Cowboys in Saturday's 11 a.m. game. One can question how good the Big 12 is this season, but it's clear that the conference is hyper-competitive, and that glaring fact may leave K-State. Yes, K-State, battling Big 12 bottom feeder Kansas in November to stay off the conference's lowest rung on the ladder. How did it get this bad so quickly? That is one question we will explore throughout this podcast, but the quick answer is this. The Wildcats have talent, but not enough. And what depth they had at some crucial positions is already exhausted. This team doesn't appear to have enough of enough. But winning this game against Oklahoma State can serve up at least a degree of satisfaction for Snyder's 2018 team. It's time for our first break on GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat pregame podcast. So let's hear from our friends at Robbins Motor Company, our title sponsor. You're listening to the PowerCat Pre-Game Podcast. Stay locked in 
your weekly GoPowerCat.com roundtable session featuring former K-State football star Marcus Watts is next. Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat offers a wide selection of new and used cars, trucks, and SUVs at competitive prices in the Manhattan, Topeka, Emporia, and Junction City, Kansas areas. Be sure to check out Robbins' new vehicle inventory, where you will find the most popular models from iconic brands such as Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram. Or if you're looking to save by purchasing a pre-owned vehicle, Robbins has an updated stock of used cars in excellent condition. No no matter what you are looking for, the team at Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat will help you get behind the wheel of your dream car. And K-State fans, visit the Robbins location on Anderson Avenue in Manhattan for an exciting test drive. It's the Robbins Motor Company, proud winners of the 2018 Customer First Award for Excellence and title sponsor of the Powercat Pregame Podcast. Welcome back to the PowerCat pregame podcast. The GoPowerCat news team is assembling because it's time for the GoPowerCat.com roundtable session. Kansas State dropped to 2-4 on the season with last Saturday's 37-34 defeat at Baylor. What can only be called a gigantic missed opportunity for the Cats. And now they return home for a critical homecoming game with the Oklahoma State Cowboys. And it's time to start digging into the Wildcats and Cowboys 11 a.m. contest Saturday with GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat pregame podcast sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. And now we welcome into the show GPC assistant editor D. Scott Fritchin, football analyst Marcus Watts, and staff writer Riley Gates as we sit down for our weekly GoPowerCat roundtable session. The roundtable is sponsored by Blue Mark Energy. Does your company spend $4,000 or more a year on energy bills? You can reduce those costs by 25% or more and maintain the same level of service and reliability. Visit bluemark.energy for an energy savings analysis today. And now Blue Mark Energy is the natural gas provider for the Kansas State campuses in Manhattan and Salina. Blue Mark Energy, K-State owned and K-State proud. Boys, welcome to the show as we begin to look at Saturday's game at Bill Snyder Family Stadium between the Cats and Pokes and it's home. Homecoming, Riley. It's it homecoming. As a, as a recent K-State graduate, are you fired up for your first homecoming? I've been here the whole time, so that's really not homecoming. Kind of the same thing. It's like home still staying. Yeah, staying. Okay, good enough. Let's recap. Uh, let's start off in Baylor and recap that Miss Chance and D Scott. How else do you describe it? They should have won that game. Now I'm not saying they're the better team because unfortunately I can't say that. But they certainly should have won that game. They had their chances to do so, and they just didn't get it done. Good teams are able to win those games. Yeah. And K-State just is not there. I, th- I think two things that really stood out to me is the fact that normally Kansas State wins games when they lead by halftime. There's that guy stat out there. Uh, K-State's 192-10 and 10 now when they lead at the half. But many of those losses have accumulated over the past few years. It's been a troubling trend for K-State to be able to maintain the lead after going to the locker room uh, ahead at the half. Um, the other thing that stood out is close losses. K-State had been pretty decent in, in, in close games uh, historically over the years. 
since 2014 now, K-State is 14 and 13 in games decided by single digits. So two troubling trends there, and I think that's a great dividing line between K-State being a, a good team and a struggling team right now. Yeah, I mean, it's easy to say bad teams lose close games because that's why they're bad, and you know, it it all adds up for K-State. This is not a good football team, but it should have won that game. And Marcus, a big reason it didn't win that game, and D. Scott kind of touched on it without saying it, is special teams. And he talks about the halftime lead thing. K-State was ahead 14-12 to 12 at halftime, in part because Baylor was having their own special teams problems and missed some field goals. Uh, but they were not only ahead at halftime, they were getting the ball to start the second half. The perfect scenario for Bill Snyder. That's why he defers. That, if people want to know, why does he always defer? This is it. You get the lead. You get the ball. Boom. Let's go for the knockout early on. And it kind of happened. Unfortunately, that halftime lead lasted just a matter of seconds after halftime because Isaiah Zuber fumbled that kickoff two plays later. Baylor's into the end zone. And they've got the lead, and it changed the whole context of the day. Special teams, Marcus. This is the pride and joy of Kansas State, and it's so much more than that. It is, and it has been, the linchpin between victory and defeat in so many games, and now it's swinging the other way for two weeks in a row. Special teams have played a major role in losing it, and it just can't continue. Yeah, and I don't agree with the call. I don't think it was a fumble, personally, um, because he it looked like he had control of the ball on the ground caused a fumble, but I don't know how you can say it. You probably couldn't overturn it. Um, I don't. Did they confirm it? Like, I don't know. If they, they ruled. Confirmed they it. confirmed it. They ruled that the wrist was part of the hand, and thus it can be caused the fumble. And the wrist hit before the arm hit, which is the elbow, which is down. That's what I don't like about replay, parsing the second by second, the millisecond of of plays like that. In a spirit of fumbling, that is not a fumble, and that shouldn't well, I, that should have never been ruled a fumble to start with. Yeah, but I mean that's besides the point. You know they got to take care of the ball. Right, they period. put themselves in that position. So um, yeah, the special teams they didn't have a very good day. They haven't had a good day for the past couple of games, um, and it's something that you know K State prides itself on, and that's how they've won games um, is they don't kill themselves in special teams, but they also win games by dominating special teams and when they don't have that and how this team is built and how this team has been playing if they are going to lose the special teams battle more times than not they are going to lose the game Riley, he didn't say it, and, and we'll get to this in the interview topic after the breakdown, but he didn't say it directly. Well, maybe he did, but when I asked Bill Snyder about special teams, he basically came out and said, we don't have enough good players. Well, that's. I mean, he said we've had injuries on offense and defense. The backups now are playing there. It's taken them out of special teams in some cases. But they have had problems in special teams all year long. They don't have enough quality depth in this program to not just sustain the injuries but to uphold special teams to what it's been. We talk about losing Pringle and Reed all the time. They lost Dominique Heath, who chose to leave, and now they can't find a return specialist? I there's problems here. They just don't have enough good dudes to fill out special teams like they have. They don't have depth at the return position. They don't have depth at the blocking positions. I mean, every single position on these return units, you know, specifically the the return game is is not what it's been in the years past, and it's making you change your philosophy. You know, uh, they have that rule in place that you can fair catch and automatically get the ball to 25. 
And frankly, it, it kind of makes you think that maybe K-State should be doing that right now. Unless you just see an open hole right away and you think you can definitely get far. I mean, there doesn't seem like there's a lot of reason right now to be taking the ball out of the end zone if you're K-State. You, know, you haven't shown me enough. This season you haven't been accurate and consistent enough to make me believe that you can get the ball past the 25. And until you can show me that, I don't want you – if I'm a coach, I don't want you taking a – a ball out of the end zone, like I said, I want you almost fair catching every single time because that puts my offense in the best position to succeed on the on the next drive. Before we get to some more of the bad that came out of Waco, special teams that certainly turned out to be bad, a missed field goal is they really missed um, Blake Lynch right now. They they've got to set, you know solidify that kicking game until they can get him back from injury. Let's talk about the one really good thing. These got Kansas State ran the ball. Kansas State ran the ball at the type of standards they would want to run the ball. Now let's be blunt here. Let's be really honest with our listeners. Yeah, they played better in the running game. They blocked better in the running game. Alex Barnes is running with conviction now, which he hasn't done all season. Uh, it all started the halftime game, at halftime of the Texas game. It switched. They're blocking harder. They're running harder. But Baylor was awful. They lined up wrong. They didn't stick to their assignments. They're filling the wrong gaps. I mean, most of those runs were untouched or barely touched all the way to the end zone. Still a real sign of improvement for Kansas State. They've got to have this to have everything else. So at least for the first time we can say they're at the starting point. Here we go. Yeah, they, Kansas State did their homework. You get to give some credit to Andre Coleman and, and Charlie Dickey uh, for uh, the game plan that they laid out with the running game. Uh, both Alex Barnes and Dalton Reisner after the game talked about the fact that they know these guys pretty well. They know their schemes, and they know what to run against it. And boom, 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 they, they were able to hit. You know, it, uh, Alex Barnes, second carry of the game, he takes off. You know, for a 55-yard touchdown to give K-State the 7-3 lead, and it's kind of off the races. I thought that really set the tone. It was great running by Alex Barnes. He also had a 48-yard touchdown later on in the game. But K-State was averaging nine yards a carry against against Baylor. I thought they were able to hit the, hit the holes, hit the, find the seams. Skylar Thompson had that long 52-yard touchdown as well. I mean, uh, it was a good day overall for K-State in a running attack. I like to take out the big plays to look at things, and I took out the four touchdown runs for Kansas State, the three by Barnes and one by Skylar Thompson. K-State on the other plays still averaged more than five yards a carry. So they were consistently good all day long. Uh, and sometimes big plays can cover up other problems. Uh, K-State was, was really good. Now, Marcus, let's be honest. Marcus Watts in his day would have run for 150 in that game with those holes. Oh, yeah. I mean, Baylor was just out of whack. They got And then they got blocked out of holes. And there was one specific play, and I can't remember which of the Barnes runs it was. The linebacker went to engage Tyler Mitchell, the guard, Instead of running to the open, gaping hole through which Alex Barnes was running. It was absolutely bizarre. Still, you've been talking about Alex Barnes needs to run hard, run with more uh, power and authority, and he's doing that now. He has sneaky good speed. He's not a speedy back, but you get him in the open field, he sees that goal line, he's going to get there usually. And that's, that's a positive case. They've got to have that, don't they? Yeah, they do. And, and, you know, it was nice to see finally some holes open up in this game. Now, albeit Baylor's rush defense 
probably isn't the best in the Big 12, probably one of the worst in the Big 12, if not the country. Um, but, you know, it was nice to see Alex get loose on some plays. And, you know, he doesn't have the breakaway speed, but he did, you know, have some nice long runs and he got in the end zone. And, you know, what do you have, like three or four runs over 30 or 40 yards? And so those are big chunk plays that this offense has been missing this whole season. And so it, it's nice to have those. Now let's see if they can do it again, as Dalton said, you know, earlier this week. It's not Alex Barnes because he's not going to create holes for you as a running back. He's if the hole's there, he's going to he's going to get through it. He's going to read the defense and go into the correct hole. Uh, he's not like a Darren Sproles, and he's going to create long plays. So exactly, uh, football one on one, Riley. You get the running game going, and you're going to create other opportunities for you. Unfortunately, Skylar Thompson wasn't very exact in throwing. He wasn't very good on Saturday. That played a big role in the loss. But it did open up opportunities, and I'm talking about Dalvin Warmack's touchdown pass, uh, reception of, I believe, 25 yards, which was a little swing pass off the play action. He came out of the, the backfield on you know a little wheel route up the sideline and beat his guy, and it was just a beautiful play. I thought it was the first time we've seen an Andre Coleman play, his signature on this team and what he wants to do with this offense that really paid dividends and didn't miss fire. I thought that was a good sign for Dalvin, the offense, and Coach Coleman. Well, you know, at least we didn't have to wait nine, ten games to see Andre Coleman make good on his promise to get Dalvin Warmack a lot more involved in the offense. I thought that that was noteworthy. Um, but, yeah, I, th- I agree with you. I think it was a, a look at what Andre Coleman's offense could be when he starts to institute some of his own uh, game plans in here. And, you know, you mentioned a, a rough day for Skylar Thompson. And, yeah, I mean, I thought he made some pretty poor decisions, you know, thrown into double coverage or maybe tri- triple coverage, really, um, on that one interception. And then the first interception of the game, he stared down his receiver the whole time so badly that he didn't even notice Dalton Schoen streaking wide open up the middle of the field. So you gotta when you have a running game like that from Alex Barnes, you got to have a quarterback that takes advantage of his opportunities in the passing game. You know, they're going to key in a little bit more on the run, and so that should be open more. And, you know, he made a play to Dalvin. He made a couple passes here and there, but all around he could have had a much better game um, and, you know, it definitely could have helped K-State come out on top rather than lose what ends up being, now that we look back at it, an incredibly crucial game for the 2018 season. Well, the good news is the offense played better, but D. Scott, the defense kind of fell short of where they have been uh, playing as of late. They give up 37 points. They give up 550-ish yards. Just not a good day. But the most troubling stats aren't really either thing I mentioned. It turned out to be 10 of 17 on third down. Back to that trouble again. They did not solve that. And that final drive for Baylor, they got the ball, they've got possession, and they essentially run out the clock, kick the winning field goal somehow, based on how their kicker had performed all day, and win the game. That's what K-State does to people. You know, in the past, the defense has got to be better at those times, and they just didn't get it done last Saturday. Well, you know, the missed tackles hurt them throughout the game. I think they had upwards of, of 20 missed tackles against Baylor, and, and that, that was crucial. Uh, the third down conversion defense just continues to be troubling. Um, Baylor was 10 of 17. It's the third straight game that K-State's allowed 50% or better on third down conversions. Um, K-State's 126 now in the country, allowing better than 50% conversion rate per game. 
Um, Got to fix that. The, the backbreaker, though, obviously, the 12 play, 76 yard drive at the end, it consumed more than four minutes. They weren't able to get any stops. Baylor didn't even have to run a third down play on its final drive to set up uh, Connor Martin for his game winning 29 uh, yard field goal um, to, to win the game. Um, crucial mistakes, just missed assignments, uh, missed tackles, plagued this defense from the beginning. Baylor has some athletic guys, yes. They have some playmakers, yes. But um, I've seen K-State defenses in the past that would have been able to have wrapped up a lot better than they did on Saturday. Marcus, as you know, poor tackling is twofold. One, bad fundamentals. You, you just lay your pad into someone and don't grab a hold and you maybe hit them too high. What? Just simply bad fundamentals. And the second part of it is I think really what's going on more here for Kansas State you're not fast enough, quick enough, nimble enough, however you want to say it, to get in position to make the proper tackle. So you end up diving, you end up reaching, you end up doing things that aren't going to be efficient ways to tackle, and I see a lot of that going on with K-State. They're diving at people because they're not quite good enough to be where they need to be, and then they're not strong enough to take them down with the dive. But tackling is horrible for this team, isn't it? Yeah, there's really only two guys that I've seen maybe that are the best tacklers on this team, and that's Eli Walker and Duke Shelley. Uh, Those are the only two guys really I haven't seen miss a lot of tackles. Now, yeah, Eli's missed some because, you know, he brings it a lot. Eli, you can get away with it because when you bring it, it, it makes a statement. Other guys are trying to bring it. And they're not really doing yeah, that. Yeah, you know, and, and Justin, Justin Hughes obviously struggled this last game um, wrapping up and tackling. And, you know, a lot of that may be because he hasn't played a lot. Um, Miss spring you know, football. A lot of it has to do with, you know, the new rules that are with college sports now and how you're not allowed to tackle and have contact as much. Um, but literally tackling is a mental thing. Um, you know, it's something that you've done your whole life as a from – Wee on up. And so, you know, it, it frustrates me, you know, that that players aren't wrapping up. If, if you're not strong enough or big enough to hit up high and tackle, grab their feet. You know, that's what that's the type of tackler I was is like if they don't have their legs, they can't run. So go after their legs. You know, yeah, maybe they're going to fall forward, but don't go off the big hit. Just worry about getting the guy down. That's the most important thing. And I think this team sometimes worries more about the big hit and and it's costing them some some yardage. Well, Riley, as you well know, at the Go Paracat World Headquarters, we also have a limited contact rule, and tackling is not allowed in here either, uh, mostly because I would get hurt either doing it or getting tackled. But K-State's bad at this. I don't see them getting remarkably better as the season goes. I just don't. Um, but the bigger issue right now for K-State is they're running out of dudes. Now they've got both their top two um, nickelbacks are hurt, maybe won't play. they got a kicker out. they got safeties dinged up. I still don't know how Denzel Goolsby played. I mean, we know the nature of his injury, and we thought he was done for the year, and apparently Bill Snyder Mr. Miyagi'd him and got him out <laughs> on the field with some warm hands or something. But they're holding it together right now. Man, we're only midway through the season. Six to 12 down. Uh, this is troubling, isn't it? They just don't have enough dudes right now to fill all the holes in the dam. Yeah, you know, I, I'm sure if we went back to all of the past seasons and actually got straight up injury reports, maybe we would have, you know, a sign of high injury numbers. But this year seems a lot different than than any other year, where there is just so many significant injuries. There's starters out. There's number twos that are out, and you know, it's really like you said, it's kind of kind of handicapping this team right now because. 
in a lot of positions, they're reaching down, you know. They're reaching down to guys like uh, you know, Jonathan Durham, and the, you see cornerbacks shuffling in and out all the time. Well, guys like that are even starting to pile up injuries. So it's kind of it's kind of difficult for this team right now because you are already struggling enough to find success with what you have on the field, and then you're bringing in new guys, and they're trying to get used to things, and then it's going to make it even tougher to have success. So, you know, I don't want to – that's definitely not the reason this team's two and four right now. I mean, there's a lot of reasons for that, but it is a factor along the way. And, you know, I mentioned earlier in special teams, it's evident on defense and even on the offensive side of the ball, it's starting to take its impact. So it could be a bit of a rough six games here to end the season because it's only going to get worse from here, honestly. I'm not saying players nowadays are soft, but back when Marcus Watts played, I'm just saying he had his hip popped out a socket and if allowed he would have hopped around on one leg played the rest of the game yelling it's just a flesh wound that would have been marcus watts style uh, just play through it just put a band-aid on the hip and let's go coach snyder let me go minor injury minor injury. minor injury. minor injury couldn't get him in the damn ambulance okay folks that's going to do it for the first half of our go pirate cat round table and we're going to continue to look at this game between the cowboys and wildcats with the round table right after this break on the Powercat pregame podcast sponsored by robbins motor company all they do is cover kansas state sports the experts from GoPowerCat.com will return with more of their roundtable session on the PowerCat pregame podcast presented by Robbins Motor Company. I'm trying to get a group text in on what everybody wants on the liquor store run, but my phone keeps auto-correcting liquor store to the fridge. A fridge or the fridge? The fridge. It just did it again. Well, the fridge is more than just a liquor store. The fridge has over 3,000 wines in stock, the area's largest selection of spirits and craft beers, plus their back-to-back winners of Beverage Dynamics Retailer of the Year. Oh, I get it. Wow. Smartphone. Autocorrect your next liquor store visit to the Fridge Wholesale Liquor, 1150 Westport in Manhattan, online at fridgeliquor.com. Blue Mark Energy is a natural gas products and service provider, offering a wide range of energy solutions to feed yards, hospitals, hotels, manufacturers, and school districts throughout the Midwest. And Blue Mark is now the gas provider for the Kansas State University campuses in Manhattan and Salina. Visit bluemark.energy and begin saving up to 25% on the same product you're already purchasing. Blue Mark Energy, K-State owned and K-State proud. For more than 20 years, there's only been one reliable source for exclusive and unmatched premium K-State sports news content. It's GoPowerCat.com. The tradition continues as Tim Fitzgerald, D. Scott Fritchin, and the other GoPowerCat sports experts continue their relentless coverage of K-State sports. So make sure you're subscribing to the one and only GoPowerCat. Hey, K-State fans, it's time to come home to GoPowerCat.com. We now send it back to Fitz and the GPC News Team in the Spirit Street Studios as the GoPowerCat.com roundtable session continues. We are back and we now continue with our GoPowerCat roundtable session with GPC Assistant Editor D. Scott Fritchin, Football Analyst Marcus Watson, Staff Writer Riley Gates. 
The roundtable is sponsored by Blue Mark Energy. Does your company spend $4,000 or more a year on energy bills? You can reduce those costs by 25% or more and maintain the same level of service and reliability. Visit bluemark.energy for an energy savings analysis today. And now Blue Mark Energy is the natural gas provider for the Kansas State campuses in Manhattan and Salina. Blue Mark Energy, K-State owned and K-State proud. Okay, one more topic to cover before we fully move on to investing ourselves in the Oklahoma State Cowboys. A players-only meeting was declared on Monday, Marcus, and held in the Veneer football complex. Player meetings can work, but... They are really a sign of trouble, aren't they? Yeah, they are. I mean, they can work. Why you, Why did you wait till you were 2-4 and four to have it? You're That's, halfway in the season. Now you're I meeting. Mean, they probably should have had it after the uh, West Virginia game yeah. if you were going to have one. I've been a part of player meetings, and to me, when you're having those player meetings, it means that there's something going on in the locker room. There's dissent within the team. Um, sometimes they work. They'll fire the team up. The team will come ready to practice and do the things right. Um for the time being, but there's probably a deeper issue that probably isn't going to get resolved with the player meeting. It's going to be either some players leaving, um, you know, some other issues that you can't control happening. Um, but, you know, I, you know, if it fires them up and they play well this week, then great. Um, but I hope that they just don't revert back to what, you know, got them to this situation of being two and four. Uh, Riley, I'm going to ask you a really hard-hitting question right now. You're a Kansas State football player. God help us. You're invited to the players-only meeting, okay? you got to come to the meeting and bring your good stuff. So you think snacks. If you're going to the players-only meeting, do you bring chips and salsa, varsity donuts, <laughs> or maybe a lovely casserole that the guys can enjoy? Which, which one would you bring to the players-only meeting? I mean, it's got to be donuts, right? It's yeah. the cleanest okay. if you're going to bring it in the locker room. Yeah, and that's, uh, that's kind of the productivity you're getting in the Big 12, a big zero. <laughs> A big zero. Dalton Reisner, D. Scott, was very good in talking about the players-only meeting. And what he says sounds good. I don't know if you can meet through the problems of this team. I don't think you can mentally sort out the problems of this team. Because it gets back to what I said about tackling. They're not good enough, man. They don't have enough good dudes. I think they're trying to win. I think their effort has gone up. There's no doubt about it. I think they're playing harder the last three halves since halftime of Texas. But they got a ceiling, unfortunately. And the ceiling, as we look at it now, was probably seven wins all along. And they're struggling to get anywhere close to that. Do you think the player meeting will have any impact, really, on this game? I mean, I don't think it'll hurt. I, right. I, I say this. I mean, it, it's about execution weekly and then correcting your mistakes weekly and then doing it again. And they do that week after week after week, and now it's been five, six weeks. Maybe throw in a player's meeting. Maybe see if he can get some guys guys riled up a little bit. Maybe add some additional voices out there and, and get people heard. Whatever it takes to be able to get some wins. Now, Dalton, to his credit, talked about the fact that, you know, they, they had this in 2015, and they had a player's meeting, and then they go on and, and win all these games and, and go to a bowl well you know that's good but now's the time where you have a players meeting now you need to see results yeah they really do and definitely need to yeah this is the opportunity to do it you're at home you're playing oklahoma state who is 
the Cowboys are struggling. You know, they're four and two overall, overall, but they're one and two in the Big Twelve. You go to Oklahoma and TCU after your off week. You better get it going right now. You better get a win. You better go into the off week feeling better. Um, let, one more thing, sprinkles. Ah, no. You know, sprinkles. No. Well, let's talk about the sprinkles on top of the Oklahoma State offense, and that's quarterback Taylor Cornelius, who's been a very pleasant surprise for Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State's one and two in the conference, as I just said. And yet, they are in the top three in offensive productivity in this conference. And in fact, their defense is in the top half. They're doing a lot of things right that have added up to the baffling reality of they're one and two. Both losses are in Stillwater. Texas Tech and Iowa State, two teams they certainly probably expected to be above in the standings and now they lost home games. Back to Taylor Cornelius. The dude's good. He's really brought them something, uh, and that's just Oklahoma State. They always got a quarterback, don't they? Yeah, you know, he's no Mason Rudolph um, because just based off experience. I mean, this is Taylor's first year in the offense. Mason had multiple years. Um, But I think if he had a couple years, he might get to that status. You know, I I really do like uh, his style of play, and I think he's hurt a little bit right now in terms of the fact that he doesn't have – his go-to guy necessarily you know Mason Rudolph had James Washington you know in years past Oklahoma State had Des Bryant to throw to this year they had Jalen McCleskey but Jalen McCleskey left the team so Oklahoma State doesn't exactly have their quote-unquote guy uh, at the at the wide receiver position but he's still finding a way to have success he's still managing this offense really well and I think it really speaks to to maybe his leadership the fact that he can step in here First year as a starter, you know, he's been with the program for a while, but first year as a starter, no real true in-game experience, and yet he's able to guide them to a 4-2 and two start um, and have the offense clicking really high-powered and, and really efficient at times. I, I'm really impressed by him, um, and he seems to me like another guy that K-State could really struggle uh, against if it comes out flat-footed against a pass defense, with a pass defense, that is. I uh, did a little radio earlier this week with Robert Allen, who's the sideline guy for uh, – the Oklahoma State Radio Network has a radio show out of Stillwater and also is the publisher of the 24-7 site or a part of this 24-7 site down there at Oklahoma State. Uh, he said the biggest problem Oklahoma State's having there is their offensive line, and it's kind of baffling everyone that despite their problems along the line, they're throwing the ball well, and Justice Hill is running like a madman. Now, he, he got shut down against Iowa State. Credit the Cyclones for slowing him, but he's still the leader in Big 12 rushing as we hit the halfway point of the season, and Justice Hill's good. K-State's bottled him up in the past, but the way they're defending the run this year, I'm a little worried about Justice Hill. I expect him to get the ball um, a lot in in this game. Uh, Mike Gundy earlier in the week talked about the fact that, yeah, this offensive line is not as good as it as they expected it to be, and he just kind of flat out said it. Um, they're they're not doing a good job pass protecting. They're not doing a good job providing holes for Justice Hill to get get through. That was most evident against Iowa State. He had 24 carries for 66 yards. And his average of 2.75 yards per carry is the lowest in his career when he's had at least 20 rushing attempts. Now, Kansas State, in in his two games against Kansas State, he's had a total of 135 rushing yards. He's never had a 100-yard game against K-State, but he's he uh, rarely goes two straight games without 100 yards. I think, you know, Justice Hill is a great running back. He's one of the best in Oklahoma State history. They're comparing him to to Barry Sanders. Um, 
you know, Kansas State right now is is in a slump. They're they're ninth and ninth in the league um, against the run. Justice Hill, you know, has all the moves. Bill Snyder talked glowingly about him earlier in the week. Um, I think Justice Hill is, is due, and I think he's going to be a big time problem for K State on Saturday. Marcus, I want to turn my attention to you now. Mike Gundy intrigues me. Uh, Bill Snyder, I'm going to be really blunt here. He turned 79 on Sunday of earlier this week, so he's an old guy. Uh, Gary Patterson, I don't know Coach Patterson's age, but he's an oldish guy. Um, he's older than me. Mike Gundy's over 50. He's now no longer a man. He's 40. He's over 50. So he is one of the veteran coaches, and I think second longest in tenure in the Big 12, if you count Big 12 seasons, to Coach Snyder. As a former player and an outside observer who's looking at things, and you know Joe Bob Clements who works down there, would you want to play for Mike Gundy in that program? Is that is that a player's program, or is it hard to say? Uh, I mean, it's hard to say because you're not in, in the it. depths of it, but – I mean, he has his players' backs 100%. And, I mean, I think that's been evident with his rant, you know, and I'm a coach, I'm 40 type thing when he did that, you know, 10 years ago. Um, and then, you know, this whole media thing with, you know, not asking players about certain situations, which he went about that the wrong way, obviously. Uh, all you have to do is tell your players no comment. They don't have to talk about it. Um, so, you know, but, you know, he has his players' backs. Um, you know, I, I don't know how he is as a coach personally, so, you know, it's kind of hard to say. Um, but, you know, any coach that has his players' backs and defends his players and, you know, doesn't call call him out or talk bad about him in front of the team, um, like some other coaches that uh, were previously here, um, uh, you you always want to go play for those guys. Uh, you think it was Ron Prince, Riley? I don't know who that is. Uh, okay. Okay, guys, I'm going to put you on the spot right now with something I didn't tell you we were going to do. I want to have your feelings on this. I've been telling people over and over, mathematically, this is not a must-win for Kansas State. Two and four, you go to two and five, you still got five games. You can still go seven and five, but that would include a whale of a turnaround, including winning at Oklahoma, TCU, eventually Iowa State. So this is what I want to know. Look, I think this is a must-win. Mathematically, it's not. It's... Realistically, emotionally, it is a must-win. They got to do this, or, or uh, it's going to be really, really, really difficult to get things turned around. On a scale of one to ten, tell me how important you think this game is put together for the season and the program under Bill Snyder for these Wildcats. One to ten, and why do you think so? And I'm going to start with you, Riley Gates. Oh, man, that's uh, kind of put me on the spot like you said there. But, I mean, I think that this game, for this season specifically, I mean, I think I'd probably say eight, maybe even a nine. Um, you know, I, I think that it's not technically mathematically a must win like you said, but I don't think that they'll beat Oklahoma or TCU, so therefore – Makes you bowl and old bowl, right? Exactly. There. And so you need to win it now to, I guess, keep that alive longer, to keep that hope alive longer. And I guess if you lose this game, you start two and five, and then you, you know, go to Oklahoma and TCU, you lose close or you lose in a blowout. That not only, you know, socks you in the gut for this season, but it moving forward, man, it, it really takes a toll on you and the program. I mean, 
I, obviously I can't speak to it. I've never been a part of a college football team or in a, a bad one at that, but uh, I can't imagine a summer after a, you know, three and nine season is exactly a whole lot of fun to prepare for, for the next year. So getting a win in this game, I think is, is crucial. I think it maybe gives you a little bit of life and then who knows, maybe you shake some things up. I, I don't know. It's going to be tough, but we'll see. D. Scott, to you, scale of 1 to 10, and why? Got to be a 10. They got to win this game. You know, they they don't win this game. They're they're staring uh, six straight Big 12 losses in the face, um, coming back home to face Kansas. And then what are you playing for? You're playing for state pride. You're playing for those kinds of things, but you're not playing for a bowl. Very good. Marcus Watts, scale of 1 to 10. Um, I'm not going to say. Oh. I'm going to back out of this Woo! as a former player and not tell you what I really think <laughs> about the rest of the season. Um, I'll just go with what Riley and D. Scott said. Yeah, I think I think that does stand well. And that's uh, it for you in the roundtable because uh, the question, again, is not for you. I know you're starting to feel left out after two basketball questions, uh, but this is not a basketball question either. Now it's time for our Wabash Station question of the week, which comes from a member of our premium message board at Go Powercat. This week's question comes from I Like Pickle Scat, one of my favorite names. Why is that, Riley? <laughs> you gave it to him. I, I gave it to him. Could transfers be in 2018 when junior college players were in the 90s? Uh, and I guess I'm taking this one myself because we were just having this discussion, D. Scott. We were explaining to Riley and Zach, the younger guys on our staff, that how Coach Snyder changed the very – a perception of junior college players when he came to K-State and how when he came to K-State and was recruiting junior college players, it was unsavory. It was somehow cutting corners. You couldn't win with it. It was just, it was kind of really looked down upon and K-State was shamed a lot for taking junior college players because the perception was they were bad academic at academics, probably bad kids, and they would be poison in your locker room. You'll never make it work. And then in 98, K-State almost wins a national title or plays for one nearly. Um, and he proved to all of college football in that moment, yeah, you can. Yeah, yeah. these are real real kids, got stuff to contribute. They're good students, you know, when they choose to be. And they can be good citizens. K-State is now among the elite programs in 98 in college football. And did it with junior college players. That's all changed. Because back then, the programs like Nebraska and Alabama and Oklahoma, maybe a little bit. But USC, Notre Dame, no one was taking junior college players. Now they're all if you know, diving in there and taking a guy when they need to. And everyone, certainly the SEC, is heavily invested in junior college recruiting. You can't wait until December and go pick up a Michael Bishop anymore. It's all changed. Junior college players are a hot commodity now for immediate help. So, no, no, it can't be the same as it was in the 90s, and you got to find a new way to do it in the modern era. Okay, now let's turn it back over to D. Statfritchen for his number of the week, and my number is six, and that is the games played so far and the number of wins needed to be bowl eligible. Um, and neither one of those really adds up to good news for the Wildcats. So what is your number of the week, Mr. Fritchin? Fitz, my number of the week is eight. As an eight of the last 11 meetings between K-State and Oklahoma have been decided by a touchdown or less. That includes the last three games. Oklahoma State won 36-34 in 2015. Oklahoma State won 43-37 in 2016. And K-State won 45-40 last season. This season, K-State is 1-2 and two in games decided by a touchdown or less. Oklahoma State is 0-1. Oh 
with the 48-42 loss to Iowa State last weekend. Very good, Mr. Fritchen. And with that, the roundtable is closed. And let's head into another timeout on the PowerCat pregame podcast brought to you by Robbins Motor Company. The breakdown of the game arrives right after this pause on the PowerCat pregame podcast presented by Robbins Motor Company. Blue Mark Energy is a natural gas products and service provider, offering a wide range of energy solutions to feed yards, hospitals, hotels, manufacturers, and school districts throughout the Midwest. And Blue Mark is now the gas provider for the Kansas State University campuses in Manhattan and Salina. Visit bluemark.energy and begin saving up to 25% on the same product you're already purchasing. Blue Mark Energy, K-State owned and K-State proud. My name is Tim Fitzgerald and I have stage 3 prostate cancer. So men, take 30 seconds and listen to my message. The day I learned my PSA score was too high, I didn't even know what a prostate-specific antigen score was. Learning my PSA at age 53 probably saved my life. If you're a man over 40, go to your doctor and score your PSA. A simple blood test could save your life too. PSA, know your score. I'm trying to get a group text in on what everybody wants on the liquor store run, but my phone keeps auto-correcting liquor store to the fridge. A fridge or the fridge? The fridge. It just did it again. Well, the fridge is more than just a liquor store. The fridge has over 3,000 wines in stock, the area's largest selection of spirits and craft beers, plus their back-to-back winners of Beverage Dynamics Retailer of the Year. Oh, I get it. Wow. Smartphone. Auto-correct your next liquor store visit to the Fridge Wholesale Liquor, 1150 Westport in Manhattan, online at fridgeliquor.com. The PowerCat pregame podcast presented by Robbins Motor Company continues. Now we send you back to Fitz. Welcome back to the PowerCat pregame podcast sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. It's now time for your update on Kansas State football recruiting. Celebrate Kansas State University's fight against cancer with a Bill Snyder commemorative fighting for a cure shirt and wear it to the home football game or anywhere this Saturday for the university's fifth annual Fighting for a Cure Day. The Johnson Cancer Research Center's programs to advance Kansas State University's cancer research and education are made possible by private donations, and you can find out more at cancer.ksu.edu. Kansas State is set to host current Mississippi State commitment cornerback Gregory Brooks Jr. on an official visit this weekend. The Harvey, Louisiana product gave a verbal pledge to the Bulldogs back on June 23rd, but the talented defensive back believes the Wildcats deserve a look before signing his name on a national letter of intent. The latest development in Brooks' recruitment is a big one for K-State. One of the first players offered at his position back on January 30th, the West Jefferson High cornerback was an early Wildcat lean and told 24-7 Sports this past spring that a pre-summer visit to Manhattan was one he looked forward to taking. For one reason or another, that never happened. Now K-State will get its chance to convince a star player at a crucial position in this class that he belongs as part of the K-State program. And of course, subscribers at GoPowerCat get up-to-the-minute coverage of football and basketball recruiting from our staff, as well as the highly respected recruiting analysts on the 24-7 Sports Network. 
And now it's time to break down the game between the Wildcats and Cowboys. Joining you once again, let's go Powercat football analyst, Marcus Watts. Kansas State and Oklahoma State kick off at 11 a.m. in K-State's homecoming game at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. The contest will be televised on ESPNU. And now it's time for our breakdown session as the Wildcats and Cowboys meet in the game. Both teams desperately need to win. I feel like I said that last week. In fact, I might have. And, of course, to help me out with his breakdown of the game, it's Go Powercat football analyst and former K-State safety Marcus Watson. Marcus, I want to start with something K-State related. You look at the offense last week at Baylor, and they put up better numbers. They ran the ball with success. Whether that was them or Baylor being bad on defense or K-State being good on offense, it doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, they ran for 300-plus, and Barnes had 250 and three touchdowns, and that's a positive. That that has to make them feel better about things. Um, but this offense still isn't quite there. They ran the ball well, and they threw the ball poorly. And what it comes down to for me is no matter where K-State's going with this, they got to get better quarterback play. And I hate to heap that on Skylar Thompson, but that's the nature of the position. Dude, you're the quarterback. The glory and the failure falls at your feet too often, either direction. But he wasn't very good throwing the ball. He made some bad decisions. And against an Oklahoma State team, that's much better against the run, unless it's the quarterback run. You can get into that. Um, it He's got to be able to get the ball downfield with better accuracy and efficiency. Yeah, he does. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's scheme, if it's what K-State's running. Um, I just don't think they're going – I've said it over and over. I think he wants to go faster. I think he wants to be in an up-tempo offense. Yeah, in in an up-tempo offense, usually you're throwing quick passes, one, two, three, throw. I mean, it's three steps, not, you know, he's not having to make a lot of reads. I think he struggles when he has to make a lot of reads. Um, he's still young, so he's still learning. But, you know, he also played a lot last year. So he's basically played a full year of football um, coming into this game, I would think. Yeah. If you go back to last season. So, you know, I don't, I don't know what it is. Um, he doesn't look comfortable out there unless he is throwing those quick five-yard passes and – um, snapping it and going, you know, when he has to sit there and read the defense, even if he has to make a check, he doesn't even look confident making a check. Um, and so, you know, I think that's a lot of it. He's lacking some confidence. Um, you know, he's he's a good quarterback. He was a highly rated quarterback coming out of high school. Um, he, he's got the tools um, to be to be an elite quarterback. He's just not doing it this year. And some of that also falls on the receivers, um, falls on the offensive line. Um, you know, the receivers have to do a better job of getting separation, creating separation, making the reads easier for Skyler. If there's a blitz, they need to be better at side adjusting. Um, and if they had something called deep, they need to break it off and make it a short, a shorter route. Um, there's only one receiver that's really doing that for him, and that's Isaiah Zuber. So uh, there's, it doesn't all fall on Skyler or, you know, Alex when he was playing, but, you know, it starts with you. So whatever you need to do to make yourself better and have more confidence, um, then do it. Yeah, they really need to figure that out and figure it out quickly. But Iowa State had success in the QB run game last week in winning in Stillwater. And that's the quandary right now for Kansas State. Alex Delton missed last week's game. We really don't know the health of him heading into this game with Oklahoma State. But obviously he wouldn't be 100% if he played. That means right now, unless you want to pull a red shirt off, which I don't think Bill Snyder is inclined to do with John Holcomb, the, the true freshman quarterback, 
that means you got to keep Skyler healthy. So do you run the quarterback run game that can work, or do you just let the quarterback run game be organic like it was at Baylor on a broken pass play and he goes 50-plus yards for a touchdown or whatever it was? Um, but you, I feel like you got to you got to put that wrinkle in against a better run defense like Oklahoma State. Well, that's why um, Iowa State started the quarterback. They wanted somebody that, you know, quarterback run game. That's why they started Purdy. That's what their coach said after the game. And so, um, you know, they they saw something with Oklahoma State that, you know, the quarterback run game um, would be successful. And, you know, Skyler can run. I mean, he's not Alex Delton and what he can do and make people miss and his speed and quickness. Um, But he can run. So it's just I don't know if he – I don't know if he's very good at reading what the defense is giving him and whether it's in the zone read, whether the DN's crashing hard um, that he needs to keep it. I think a lot of the times he hands it off when he should be keeping it. I agree. And when he keeps it, sometimes he should be handing it off. So I think he's a little indecisive on on all of that um, when it comes to the game. And, you know, I think teams have seen that. And, you know, they're going to take away Alex Barnes. They're going to make Skylar Thompson beat them on the ground. Um, And so he just got to understand that that's probably what teams are going to do. So he needs to be be more inclined to take the ball. I think K-State's going to have to have a quarterback run game in this game and Skyler's going to have to rush for 50 60 yards uh in this game if they want to have a chance being in this game late in the fourth quarter well we're talking about an Oklahoma State offense that's scoring on average 44 points a game so K-State uh on average would have to score more than 44 I don't see them doing that K-State's giving up 27 a game so maybe you're talking about the mid-30s as the target score for Oklahoma State I don't feel like K-State is capable of getting that against Oklahoma State or very often at all, except against a team like Baylor that's pretty bad. Let's flip it over now and look at uh, how Kansas State, which needs to be better on defense than it was last week at Baylor, how they will match up with a very good Oklahoma State offense. They're having issues on the offensive line, but it doesn't show up particularly in the stats. And it all starts with running back Justice Hill, best name in the Big 12 in my book, The dude's efficient. The dude's good. And yet Kansas State's done a good job with him in the past. They've held him under 100 yards uh, each time they've played him. And Iowa State did a marvelous job against him. It's basically his lowest average per carry in his career. I got a bad feeling he's going to find a way to be successful against a defense that uh, isn't very strong up front. And I mean that emotionally, physically, you know, literally, they just – they. They have problems against strong runners. Well, Justice is a little more sneaky than power. The guy's good, and I, I don't see the linebackers being able to track him down. Yeah, one thing that I think that K-State's defense is, has been like over the years is that they allow players of Justice's caliber in space. And when K-State, it seems like their defense always has a lot of space out there. When a guy gets the balls, there's always a, either just one guy that's going to make the tackle or – there's nobody out there. Mm-hmm. So I think this is a game where you might see, and this is a perfect fit for Eli Walker, is to come down in the low, you play thirds uh, coverage or, you know, man free, and and brings uh, Eli Walker down and have him spy Justice Hill. Uh, he would be a player because it doesn't have to read a lot of the defense. You, you've got one responsibility. You go where Justice Hill goes. Um, because I think if they take him out of the game or limit his – effectiveness um, like Iowa State did, then you'll have a chance uh, in this game because 
Oklahoma State's offense goes as Justice Hill goes. Right. And so if he gets off and gets in space and has has a big game, then it's going to be a struggle for, for, for the Wildcats. Well, Oklahoma State has been very productive on offense, and a big reason is quarterback Taylor Cornelius, who is uh, – been able to be productive. Now they don't have their top receiver who's opted to transfer. Mike Gundy tells me I can't talk about him. Um, <laughs> and uh, But he's still good. Although Iowa State, winning in Stillwater last week, knocked him down, sacked him seven times, got after him, got in his face, and it seemed to work a little bit, certainly enough to win. Is K-State capable of that? Coming off a better performance against Baylor, at least in terms of sacks. Yeah, I mean, are they capable? Every team's capable. I just don't know if they're capable of just bringing four. Um, they might need to bring some blitzes in this game, but like you said, he, he struggled last week against, you know, his 19 for 33, which isn't bad, um, but it's not good. It's because, you know, Iowa State was able to get pressure on him. They were there in his face the whole game, um, you know, and he, he struggled. He threw an interception. You know, they're going to have to turn him over also, but if K-State's going to – you get pressure on the quarterback, they got to sack them. You know, that's one thing I've noticed a lot this year is they're getting there and maybe touching them, but they're not bringing them down. And so they got to be able to get there and, and come with a vengeance and bring the quarterback down at the same time, make him make quick decisions um, and, and make bad throws. Uh, and, and then they'll have a chance. One thing we should note, no Reggie Walker for the first half because he was kicked I out in the second that. half for targeting. Argue you on about whether or not it was targeting. I never saw a replay to dispute the call of targeting. They never had a good replay. It looked like he made helmet to helmet and then shoved. I don't know. That's going to hurt in the first half, certainly, and you don't want Oklahoma State to get off to a big start. Finally, special teams. We talked about it in the roundtable, but let's touch on it again. they got to win special teams. Marcus, I think they got to have a return for a touchdown. If they want to win, they got to have not, – not be better than Oklahoma State in special teams. They have to definitively win special teams and maybe score, probably score, with a return in this game. And I don't know if they got the tools to do it. I mean, I agree 100%. If they want to win this game, they got to return for a touchdown, whether that's a punt return for a touchdown, uh, even a defensive touchdown or interception return or a fumble recovery for a touchdown. They're going to have to have some non-offensive touchdown in this game to have a chance to win this. Um, you know, the one thing that worries me is the kicking game. Obviously, Blake Lynch probably sounds like he's not going to be playing. Probably he's out for the year from all – all things that you know we're hearing but um you know they struggled in the kick game last week and you know whether or not it make if they're not making touchdowns what this team has a difficulty of doing you need to be able to put some points on the board and with the kicking game you know i don't know if k-state has a kicker that can do that at this point so special teams has to win this game we'll see if they can get back to doing that well, one thing to keep an eye on in special teams this week, folks, is the return of Devin Ansel. Return, he hasn't ever played. A junior college transfer at a Coffeeville Community College who was suspended for six games. Um, he is eligible this week for the first time at Kansas State, and they I would expect him to be handling some or all the punting duties because I'm told he's clearly the first-team guy and has been, but just unable to play. It's going to be a very interesting game between Kansas State and Oklahoma State. Both teams feel like they have to get it done right here, right now, or they are in big, big trouble with their season. Thank you, Marcus. And now let's get into our interview segment. And K-State's captains did call that players-only meeting on Monday. And when we met Tuesday with Coach Bill Snyder, I started with that topic and moved into many more subjects to open Coach Snyder's weekly media event. And here is Coach Bill Snyder and my conversation with him. Well, I think if it's, uh, you know, if it's going to be productive, then 
uh, I think it's uh, appropriate. I trust Dalton, and Dalton had uh, Dalton wanted to talk with players and uh, elicit thoughts from the players at the same time, and uh, you know we've done it before. Uh, and you got to have a great deal of trust in your players in order to, you know, to consent, you know, to allow that uh, to happen. Although they, I mean, uh, they have control over whether they get together or not. That, uh, uh, but it, uh, I think it went well, from what I understand. Is that kind of like a the special play you practice for a game? You got to know when to pull it out, use it at the right time. Well, there's uh, there's probably some truth to that, you know, as well. You know, there's there's some negative things that can take place. You know, obviously, and uh, I, like I said, I've you know I trust our guys and I trust what I was told, so I consented to it. Yeah. A little bit better um, every day. It looked like the run game took a significant step forward. What was different in this game than the previous five? Well, I. You know, I, just that we played better, I think. Uh, you know, I think we, we practiced uh, to a certain degree better. I think getting more acclimated to certain things that, you know, that we're doing. Uh, the basics of, uh, of the game, execution. Execution gets better when fundamentals get better. And that happens when you practice better and, and practice those things as well as you can. And, uh, and also, and I mentioned to our players yesterday, you know, those young guys that uh, invest their time and effort on the scout squad have a lot to do with that, you know, and I've said that every week to them, that they have an impact on the outcome of ball games, depending on how well they help prepare, you know, the offense or the defense. And I thought our scout squad last week did a, did a nice job on the our defensive scouts. Preparation and fundamentals on the defensive side. You guys have made some progress defensively, but this week the tackling was an issue. How much of that is poor positioning and fundamentals and and just not being good enough, to, honestly, to get there and get it done? Well, I, uh, I don't think being good enough is an issue. You know, I think the the execution of it, you know, once again, I think our guys, you know, we, we don't have guys that are unaggressive. You know, I think they're, they're guys that are not afraid to hit you. Uh, fundamentally, uh, we're not as good as we, as we should be and could be. Uh, you know, and, and more often than anything, it's just, uh, and you see it no matter who you watch, but, you know, it's still part of the basics of the game. You know, we're, we're reachers. You know, we're running with our hands out. And you're not going to make a whole lot of tackles that uh, that way. So uh, you know it's just something that you know they and they work on it. They practice. Defensive coaches they drill it every single day, uh, bar none. And uh, yet it's you know it's not not getting there. And it's and it's being able to uh, you know to process the process the the information about how to execute certain things. You know, when they take place in the ball game, I mean, things, even tackles, happen quickly. You know, the guy's here, and then he's over here, and now I've got to tackle him. Uh, and you've got, to, you've got to be able to go through the, the fundamentals of how to do it 
and you want it to be natural so that it's not something that you're always having to think about how to do it. But, you know, until that point in time, yes, you do have to process the, uh, the techniques, you know, and just being able to step on their toes, club your arms through, lock up, and drive your feet. And, you know, if you do those four things, you probably have some success, you know, tackling. You know, when you boil the water out of it, I, I thought maybe I'd address that uh, afterwards. I'm, I'm not sure that I did. Uh, but, you know, and, and Baylor's a pretty decent offensive football team. Uh, and you go back and look, and, and for three quarters, you know, defensively we played, we played quite well. You know, they got, they got two touchdowns uh, in three quarters, and both of them were over after turnovers, one by the special teams, one by the offense. One of them was, a, I think, a 17-yard drive, and the other one was a 47-yard drive. Don't quote me exactly the numbers, but that's awfully close. I'm sure, and uh, you know, you take that away, and they've held them scoreless for which you can't do. I get that, but uh, so uh, you know, I thought for that period of time we played quite well. But then in the in the fourth quarter, uh, you know, we gave up 185 yards. You know, total offense. That's uh, that's just too much, and couldn't get the drive stopped. Even though one of the touchdown drives was again off of a turnover, you know, in the in the fourth quarter, but. So, you know, playing well for three quarters is good, but doesn't get the job done. And finally, the, the formula here at Kansas State is pretty tried and true. Uh, special teams have to perform at a high level. You've won a lot of games in really good years and, and not so good years based mm -hmm. on special teams. Those plays are so magnified. You know, there's, so, there's mm -hmm. fewer of them. Uh, how, how problematic has been the special teams these last two weeks in, in games that you could have won? Well, uh, truly, I mean, to, you know, to fumble of a kickoff is, uh, and, and it's not just the guy that's catching the ball and running with it. I mean, if you go back and, uh, and scrutinize, you know, we missed, we missed two blocks on the same guy that uh, would have, uh, that, that created the fumble. Uh, so it, it's execution throughout and an assignment throughout. Uh, and we're, you know, we're, you know, special teams, I mean, you can get a few guys banged up on offense and a few guys banged up on defense, and you can still circumvent that, you know, on that side of the ball. But, you know, those are all guys then that are on special teams. So we're kind of searching and reaching to get, uh, you know, to get uh, enough personnel, you know. And so that, we struggle with that a little because you got guys playing sometimes out of position and, and don't have any, any real backups, you know, right now for them. What's going on in special team? Does it kind of expose the depth problems you're going through right now? Not just yeah. offensive, defensively, but some of those walk-ons that have been stars on special teams maybe aren't rising up. Uh, you know, we've got uh, some guys that are on there that are, you know, that are not getting on uh, offense or not getting on defense, not getting on the field that are, you know, on special teams that are doing quite well. I mean, the, the play of the day was uh, Landry Weber. You know, Landry Weber hadn't been able to get on the field, and he runs down, you know, makes a, makes a great hit, uh, you know, on the 14-yard line on a kickoff cover unit, and uh, so on down the road. I mean, but, uh, you know, when we, when we get thinned out on, one, on both sides of the ball, then that really impacts our special teams as well. 
What are the keys to a Wildcat victory? And what are our experts' predictions? It's next on the Powercat pregame podcast, presented by Robbins Motor Company. I'm trying to get a group text in on what everybody wants on the liquor store run, but my phone keeps auto-correcting liquor store to the fridge. A fridge or the fridge? The fridge. It just did it again. Well, the fridge is more than just a liquor store. The fridge has over 3,000 wines in stock, the area's largest selection of spirits and craft beers, plus they're back-to-back winners of Beverage Dynamics Retailer of the Year. Oh, I get it. Wow. Smartphone. Auto-correct your next liquor store visit to the Fridge Wholesale Liquor, 1150 Westport in Manhattan, online at fridgeliquor.com. Blue Mark Energy is a natural gas products and service provider, offering a wide range of energy solutions to feed yards, hospitals, hotels, manufacturers, and school districts throughout the Midwest. And Blue Mark is now the gas provider for the Kansas State University campuses in Manhattan and Salina. Visit bluemark.energy and begin saving up to 25% on the same product you're already purchasing. Blue Mark Energy, K-State owned and K-State proud. For more than 20 years, there's only been one reliable source for exclusive and unmatched premium K-State sports news content. It's GoPowerCat.com. The tradition continues as Tim Fitzgerald, D. Scott Fritchin, and the other GoPowerCat sports experts continue their relentless coverage of K-State sports. So make sure you're subscribing to the one and only GoPowerCat. Hey, K-State fans, it's time to come home to GoPowerCat.com. It's a K-State sports tradition. It's Fitz's Five Keys to Victory on the PowerCat pregame podcast presented by Robbins Motor Company. Kansas State is 0-3 in Big 12 play and times are getting more and more desperate for the Wildcats as they prepare to play host to Oklahoma State on Saturday. The Cowboys come to town wrapped in their own state of desperation at 1-2 in Big 12 play, including home losses to Tech and Iowa State. The stakes are high for both programs as they prep for an 11 a.m. kick at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. The game will be televised on ESPNU. I'm Go Powercat publisher Tim Fitzgerald, and now it is time for my keys to the game. Our keys to the game are sponsored by Tanner's Bar and Grill in Aggieville. Great food, friendly service, and the best place to watch sports in Manhattan can be found at Tanner's. You've got time for one final final at Tanner's. Tanner's located at the corner of 12th and Morrow in the historic Aggieville Business District. Key number one, stay well grounded. K-State ran the ball with purpose last week at Baylor, led by Alex Barnes, busting loose for 250 yards and three touchdowns. Well, Oklahoma State's defense is a lot better against the run than Baylor's. So the challenge for the Wildcats is to perpetuate their success on the ground in a virtual must-win situation for Bill Snyder's team. It seems impossible that K-State could match its gaudy stats from last week, but going for more than 200 yards on the ground would force Oklahoma State to pay plenty of attention to Barnes and company. Key number two, trust Thompson. Sophomore quarterback Skylar Thompson wasn't very precise in last week's loss in Waco, and that cannot continue if this team wants to start winning. 
Let's remember that Thompson had a great deal of success last season, both running and throwing in Stillwater, as he led the Cats to a stunning road victory. So one would think he would be confident heading into this game, despite last week's issues. If K-State can mix the run with the pass with efficiency, then the Wildcats will have a fighter's chance of winning this game against the Cowboys. Key number three, seek justice. Oklahoma State running back Justice Hill leads the conference in rushing, but he's struggled in his first two career games against K-State. The issue for the defense is they have to keep an eye on Hill without losing track of an effective O-State passing game. Hill is a shifty runner who can be hard to get a hold of, which is not exactly good news for a K-State defense that has an ongoing issue with tackling. That could add up to big trouble. Key number four, apply pressure. Oklahoma State senior quarterback Taylor Cornelius doesn't have a ton of experience, but he's still completing 61% of his passes, and he's tossed 16 TDs with just six interceptions. Plus, he's doing it all with an offensive line that has been inconsistent. The key for Cornelius is being comfortable. If K-State lets him operate, then the Cowboys will post unmatchable numbers on the scoreboard. In last week's loss to Iowa State, Cornelius was sacked seven times seven times. K-State will need to find a way to apply pressure in this game and remember, the Wildcats will be without defensive end Reggie Walker for the first half after being flagged for targeting in the second half at Baylor. And key number five, turnaround special teams please. For two straight weeks, Kansas State's special teams have made critical mistakes that played a big role in losing one-score outcomes. It's worth saying repeatedly, that's not how K-State football operates. For years, it's been K-State that has made the game-changing play in critical special teams times and won close games. In good seasons and during the struggles, special teams has always delivered for the Wildcats. Not this season. If K-State wants to win this game, then special teams can't just be good enough. It better be great. Make the big play this week and win the game. That completes our keys to the game. And now let's turn our attention to our staff predictions and bring back in D. Scott Fritch and Riley Gates and Marcus Watts. K-State is 2-4 and four as it prepares for its homecoming game Saturday. Oklahoma State is 4-2. and two. But both of these teams feel like their backs are against the wall in this contest. Can the Wildcats right their sinking ship of a season by beating the Cowboys? It's time for our predictions. And as always, we start with our assistant editor and football beat writer, D. Scott Fritchin. Fitz, I got Oklahoma State winning this one, 38-23. You know, Mike Gundy talked earlier in the week that he thought they were pretty young in the safety position at Oklahoma State. I think that'll be good news for Skylar Thompson. I think he'll have a couple touchdowns, but Oklahoma State is going to ride Justice Hill, and I think it's, he's going to have a big game, and the Cowboys are going to win. Oklahoma State comes to town, 1-2 and two in the Big 12, and is a seven-point favorite over the Wildcats. Not any Wildcats. The Wildcats. So surely you think this Riley Gates will be a great performance for Kansas State. Go. 
<laughs> well, I have some friends that like to bet on football games, and I'd tell them to take Oklahoma State plus the points. I got the Cowboys winning this one 42 to 20. I, I really don't like this matchup, and um, you know, I think that D. Scott alluded a lot to Justice Hill in the running game, and I think I'll have a fine performance. But for me, my gut tells me that this is going to be a really big game for Taylor Cornelius, and I think he's going to find some pretty gaping holes in the K-State secondary and have himself quite the day. Okay, Marcus Watts. Uh, I'm going to go right along with everybody else so far. I got uh, Oklahoma State winning 41-17. I just think K-State, yeah, they had a good game last week rushing the ball. Uh, Oklahoma State's rushing defense is one of the better rushing defenses in the Big 12, which will take away K-State's best option, and Skylar Thompson in this receiving core has not shown that they can throw the ball to win a game at all this year. Well, a team meeting is not going to solve the problems that are facing the Wildcats. They're just not good enough. Oklahoma State feels like its backs are against the wall big time because they don't want to be 1-3 and three in the Big 12. They don't see themselves as 1-3. and three. And I hate to say it, Kansas State is an 0-14 in this conference. They're just not good enough right now to win the games that they need to win. And that includes this game against Oklahoma State. Pokes 34 24. And that will do it for our prediction segment. And right after this network break, I will complete this preview of K-State's game with the Oklahoma State Cowboys with my final take. I am Tim Fitzgerald, and you are listening to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat pregame podcast, fueled by the great people at Robbins Motor Company. He's been covering K-State sports for more than 30 years. The PowerCat pregame podcast continues with Fitz's final take. The dedicated team of automotive professionals at Robbins, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, Fiat are here to help you throughout the entire car buying process. The Robbins vehicle sales team will match you with a vehicle that suits your lifestyle and budget, while the experts at the Robbins Automotive Financing Department will help you understand all of your auto loan and car lease options. If you have any questions about the cars, trucks, or SUVs in their vehicle inventory, give Robbins a call at its location on Anderson Avenue in Manhattan. And at Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat, you can get your vehicle serviced at their state-of-the-art automotive center. Bring your vehicle in for a quick oil change and inspection or make an appointment for advanced engine repair or bodywork. It's the Robbins Motor Company, proud winners of the 2018 Customer First Award for Excellence and title sponsor of the PowerCat pregame podcast. The PowerCat pregame podcast presented by Robbins Motor Company is back with Fitz's final take. I'm going to blatantly steal from my fellow members of the media right now because at Tuesday's weekly K-State football press conference, someone stirred up a classic quote from former Kansas City Royals manager Bob Boone that perfectly framed the issue at hand for the Kansas State Wildcats. Winners win and losers meet. The reason the quote was so pertinent was K-State's captains called a players-only meeting on Monday to try to sort out what is going wrong with a season that finds the Wildcats with a 2-4 and four record at the midway mark of the journey. Sometimes these things work, sometimes they don't, and who knows if they really have that great of an impact on a season anyway. The point is, if you're calling a team meeting, you're a flawed team, and the brutal truth is, talking won't make this team faster or more physical or better at fundamentals such as tackling. 
No, this team in some ways is what it is. But also keep in mind that if a couple of special teams plays go a different way the last two weeks, K-State may be heading into this game at 4-2 and and 2-1 and in the Big 12. But the Wildcats aren't for one simple reason. They were not good enough to win close games the last two weeks with Texas and Baylor, and they weren't even near good enough when they opened Big 12 play at West Virginia. The Cats lost all three Big 12 games, and with a loss to Oklahoma State on Saturday, could be in serious jeopardy of opening Big 12 with six straight losses. Then again, maybe that team meeting worked some miracles for this group, and the Wildcats' second half of the season will shock the world. But probably not. That concludes this week's episode of the Powercat Pregame Podcast. The Wildcats have an off week next weekend, and so do we. But we will be back in two weeks when the Cats head to Oklahoma to play the Sooners. For D. Scott Fritch and Riley Gates and Marcus Watts, I am Tim Fitzgerald. It's the Kansas State Wildcats versus the Oklahoma State Cowboys kicking off at 11 a.m. Saturday at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. You've been listening to the Power Camp Pregame Podcast presented by Robbins Motor Company. The Power Camp Pregame Podcast, all rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing.